0: If you took time in our meditation to see what peace looks like in your own mind, I'd like to ask you this. Do you think your vision accommodated the complexities of humankind and human nature? Was your vision something that allowed for the uniqueness and uh, exquisite eccentricities of others? The, the infinite variety of cultures and tastes and creativity and expression and love and personality and and irreconcilable perspectives of the more than 7.5 billion people on the planet. What would you be willing to do for peace? What are you willing to do for peace? As the world changes rapidly around us and as we watch changes that potentially erase things that have, from our understanding in our lifetimes, been some pretty basic ideas and headway that we felt we were making, and and, um, the things that form the fabric of the networks in which we as a nation have operated. The responses that we might have to some of that stir deeply within us, Sometimes we may find that we want to lash out, whether in what, uh, whether to what we see, uh, and whether it be in righteous indignation or what we think is righteous indignation, or just plain out old-fashioned outrage. What is your response? when you're challenged or defied? When you have to work with someone who's overbearing? What happens when someone else cheats you or betrays a trust or threatens you or even more Importantly, some someone else that you care very deeply about. We seem to get more protective even then. What is your response? What about how do you respond to those people who are just flat out cruel and brutal or destructive? I think maybe we should admit that we feel disappointment in some of those things. We feel afraid from a lot of those things and we feel hurt. And the fact is that hurt people hurt people. We know we are called to walk our talk. A number of people, when they first get here, have real issues with hypocrites someplace else, but then have a hard time living our principles. It's a tough deal. In my, I'm nowhere near living my principles. But I should sure try, and I hope y'all help me learn. Anyway, if we would be people whose principal doctrine is love, and if we would be people who affirm and promote the goal of world community with peace and with liberty and with justice for all people, we have to act for justice. We cannot sit by and be the appall- appallingly silent. Good fault. Good fault. I recognize that there are people probably present and certainly in our congregation who wholeheartedly believe that peace and justice too can only be achieved through physical, material strength. I understand that the very real experiences of your life have led you either from harrowing instances, the trauma of witnessing the darker parts or the darkest parts of human behavior, or from helplessly being haunted by things that have occurred in your life, from painful circumstances beyond your control, to feel deep in your soul that the only way that there can be security... Is through physical strength. Now, back in the Cold War, there was an international relations theory known as stability instability paradox. And what it looked at was the idea of nuclear weapons, you know, assuring, well, mutually assured destruction. You know, and if somebody had a monopoly on n- nuclear weapons, then nobody was safe. And if the two big dogs in the room both had nuclear weapons, they were busy enough being afraid that the other one would use them that they would cooperate. And so, in this strength, there was some sort of security. While that security was going on, there were all kinds of other proxy wars and encounters that took place. Uh, Korea, Vietnam, Angola, and the Middle East, Nicaragua, Afghanistan, and a whole lot of leverage, leveraging to get more power in the third world. But we didn't count those because we weren't being blown up it. But now it's not just two players. And there are a lot of people who want that kind of power. Nations, maybe people. And the safety of that standoff isn't assured anymore either. Dr. King told this story in 1963. The reason I can't follow the eye for an eye philosophy is that it ends up leaving everyone blind. Somebody must have sense and somebody must have religion. I remember some years ago my brother and I were driving from Atlanta to Chattanooga, Tennessee and for some reason the drivers that night were very discourteous. And they were forgetting to dim their lights. Finally, A.D., I assume that's his brother, looked over at me and he said, I'm tired of this now. And the next car that comes by here and refuses to dim the lights, I'm going to refuse to dim mine. I said, wait a minute. Don't do that. Somebody has to have some sense, some sense on this highway. And I'm saying the same thing for us here in Birmingham. We are moving up a mighty highway toward the City of Freedom. There will be meandering points There will be curves and difficult moments, and we will be tempted to retaliate with the same kind of force that the opposition will use. But I'm going to say to you, wait a minute, Birmingham, Shreveport, Louisiana, United States of America, nations of the world, somebody's got to have some sense. how do we become peace internally over time through our practices I would guess and how do we walk that out in the world well there are a lot of other paradoxes that go with that um on a website that's called Religion, Arts, Violence, Entertainment, News. I guess they cover a lot of areas. They, they listed these things as paradoxes, and I'm using my words to talk about how so. Um, courage as a peaceful thing. Because you have to be able to tolerate the fear and insecurity versus having control of things. And even though that sounds like weakness, that's what courage looks like. Humility, which is a healthy dose of having uh, uh, self-doubt. Not being so confident in your own position that you can't entertain other views or, or try to come to some sort of understanding of how people get there. Originality as a paradox, Because the originality that we think might be our self-indulgence can also be ways of creating new vision. Leaving room for new things to come. Uh, Integrity, uh, I mean, these are not exactly paradoxes, but that's what they listed, so. (laughs) Um, Integrity, you know, the, the mea culpa versus blaming everybody else owning our piece of it, doing what we can in this moment, in this place, with the people we are talking to, or with the papers and letters that we are receiving, or online, whether it's writing letters or making phone calls to our representatives, whether it's working like this morning in our uh, adult education class. someone lifted up an idea that had to do with... um, parole officers, when people reach the end of their parole, trying to come up with a way that we might mandate instructions for them to tell the the people getting off parole that they are now eligible to vote again. And we have systems in place that we can try to begin working on that. Doing what's in front of you, listening to where you are, and seeing what can be taken from that circumstance to change something. And blaming ourselves. Responsibility is the next one. Doing the work of peace and not thinking the other guy needs to do it. Um, in recovery programs people from every imaginable walk of life come together and form a community, consistently extend love to both friends and strangers. They support people that they don't know. They all coexist in peace for a very large majority of the time. And there we frequently see people and people's lives changed in truly amazing ways. And frankly, I can very easily see that the principles and ideas of 12-step programs are solid enough that they produce dramatic results, or could, in a whole lot of other places, they do any place somebody's willing to abide by them, or able and the, in those programs, there are also a whole lot of paradoxes, and these really are kind paradoxes. From darkness comes light. You know, in the middle of the worst times in anybody's life, they can find the clearest solution. From weakness and ad- adversity comes strength. I think of Taoism. The principles of water or Aikido, where you're not rigid pushing things, but moving with a flow that has direction, purpose, uh, is a part of something that's not just a drop. Bless you. We forgive to be forgiven. Let go of the baggage that falls uh, that fills our heads. Uh, and forgiving is not forgetting. But it's removing the charge that comes from having not forgiven somebody, the part that winds you up and somehow cripples. your capacity to be all you can be. We give away, give it away to keep it. People find there, if they get caught up in their own problems, the only way that they can save their own lives is to put their focus on somebody else. We suffer to get well. Change that changes us is hard. I think of Leonard Cohen's song, Anthem, where there's a crack in everything, that's how the light gets in. We surrender to win. That doesn't mean going into Tiananmen Square And standing in front of tanks all the time. But it is openness. And it is vulnerability. It's up another mountain. We die to live, and that is to let go of old, habitual perspectives so that like phoenix new things can rise from dependence we found independence trusting something greater than us and and, uh, for some people that's the group for other people it's uh, a god of their understanding but it's a place to find more strength and freedom that we don't think we have, uh, if we do have that kind of, what I'm gonna shift to interdependence instead of just dependence. That puts it back in our principles. Uh, Knowing that we cannot control others or the world and recognizing our independence is part of making that interdependence more functional. Theodore Parker, who was an abolitionist and a Unitarian minister and a transcendentalist, um, is credited with being the source of a quote that Dr. King used. Dr. King said, um, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And that was rooted in his particularly Christian perspective. Theodore Parker's view was a little bit more complicated than that. He said, The arc of the moral universe is long. No, no. He said, I do not pretend to understand the moral universe, the arc is a long one. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve or complete the figure by experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. And from what I see, I am sure it bends toward justice. He's saying he couldn't understand the universe, but it it was his conscience that led him to believe that it was bending toward justice. Dr. King said, don't ever let anybody pull you so low as to hate them. We must use the weapon of love, which is our doctrine, what we call our doctrine. We must have the compassion and understanding for those who hate us. We must realize so many people are taught to hate us that they are not totally responsible for that hate. But we stand in life at midnight. We are always on the threshold of a new dawn. What are we willing to do for peace? I hope you can help me learn more how to live peace, carry it with me into the world, beyond these walls, and more deeply into this community, so that we embody the love and peace that we stand for.